Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pinot and Perfume. As always, I am your host, Sarah Chacon. And guys, <clears throat> I think I finally did it. I think I finally have overdosed on pizza to where I don't want to eat pizza again for a good long while. I didn't know if that was possible possibility. Because if you know me, you know that pizza's will, probably my favorite food. <clears throat> I would say pizza is probably my favorite food. Hamburger, a good hamburger is a close second. Um, and seafood and Italian food are like tied for third. I love pizza in all its forms. Even shitty pizza, I'll eat it. You know, like even the pizza growing up um, in school, they would have like pizza Wednesdays and it was that shitty heat and eat brick pizza that was barely food. I was so excited when um, my parents gave me money for Pizza Wednesdays because usually I brought my lunch, but Pizza Wednesdays were a real treat. And then in high school, we actually had Domino's Pizza, which it was barely a step up, let's be real. But even so, again, I brought my lunch most of the time, but sometimes I would get money for, for a school lunch and I would have Domino's Pizza and French fries, the healthy lunch of high school. You know, I'm kidding because that's pretty much poison. But anyway, so my husband, Friday night, my husband went to Tampa to hang out with his boys and taking the opportunity to have the house to myself for a night. I treated myself and I ordered Papa John's. Now listen, I know Papa John's is probably considered trash pizza. My husband doesn't like it. We always order like better pizza when he's around. But for some reason, I vibe hard with Papa John's pizza. I love the shitty dipping sauces. I love the, um, just the way it tastes. I love it all. Um, I just, I've always, I think out of all of like the fast food, you know, like Domino's Pizza Hut, um, Papa John's, I think Papa John's is my favorite, will always be my favorite. Um, it is trash, but I just, I love it. And we all have our trash food that we love. Don't pretend like you don't. Whether it's, you know, getting down on a Big Mac with McDonald's, which I can do that too, or like a beef and cheddar at Arby's. I can do that too. I haven't had one in years or in a couple years, but sometimes a beef and cheddar hits the spot. I don't want to know what that meat's made of. It's not even meat. Do I care? No. Does it taste good? And does it hit the spot when you just want something nice and trashy? Hell yeah. So Papa John's, I went overboard. I had some Papa Dough because I'm a member of the rewards, um, re rewards plans. I had like $10 to use. So I treated myself to a large stuffed crust pizza with onions and green peppers and some cheese sticks, which my husband makes fun of me because he's like, that's basically pizza without the sauce. And I'm like, who gives a fuck? It was $10 off. So I had that, and Friday night, I binged way too much. Now, I have been, for these past few months, I have to give, pat myself on the back because I've really um, cleaned up my diet. Like, we cook a lot of our meals, majority of our meals from home. We will do takeout or go out once in a while, but we've cut down the number of times we've done that. Um, we cook the majority of our meals at home. We snack on things like carrots, apples. Um, watermelon, like whole foods. And so, and I, so I, and I've been eating lighter. Like I've been able to do portion control. Like I've been just overall kind of overhauled overhaul my diet. I feel really good. So when I indulged Friday, 
I had like four slices of this fucking stuffed crust pizza. Even when I was full, I was like, oh, this tastes so good. I had four slices, three slices of the cheese stick. This is the most like I have eaten in a while. Even when we've gotten pizza before, I've, I've been able to like stop at two slices, which is another like super uh, milestone for me because again, I can get down on pizza. But when I tell you, when I woke up the next morning feeling like I was hungover and I didn't even drink, I was like, this pizza's poison. I mean, I mean, I, finished, I ate the rest of it between uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday today. But yeah, like it just, I ate some pe more pieces, more pieces yesterday, S felt like garbage by the end of the day. And um, yeah, ate once, I had one slice left today, ate that. I don't feel as bad because I didn't probably only had the one slice, but that was a real eye opener. And that's the one downside of eating healthy and really overhauling your diet is that when you decide to treat yourself with trash food, you end up feeling gross. And I did like all weekend. I felt like hungover. I felt like nauseous, not good. So, and then my husband made, made pizza from scratch, which is really good. We got the Publix dough. It was kind of on a whim. He made some sauce. We did a pizza magretti. Um, did not make me feel gross. Cause again, we made it from scratch with the exception of the dough. So good. Um, but yeah, kind of, I will say it, I'm good if I don't have pizza for a while between the Papa John's mainly going to do on the Papa John's. I'm not going to blame my husband's pizza because it was quality, but the Papa John's because I was a little greedy girl and I binged. Now I I'm good. If I never have another slice for at least two weeks. No, I'm kidding. Probably longer. I mean, yeah, it was bizarre. Like, and I know, you know, they say like, you are, you know, what you put into your body is what, what comes out and you feel so gross, but I didn't really get it until I started switching my diet to being mostly healthy and whole foods. And then when I try to indulge and have a little fun, treat yourself, who loud, like, I, like I said, I felt like I was hit by a bus. It was, it was not good. Um, but I still finished it because I spent money on it. Um, so yeah, that's my sad, sad truth. Now, will it put me off Papa John's forever? No. I mean, I'll probably give the pizza rest for a few weeks and then I'll probably forget it. I'll remember about it through rose colored glasses and probably Get, not get it again because, again, um, my husband hates Papa John's, so I can only get it when he's out of town because we get better pizza when he's in town. Well, I say that like he's always out of town. On the few occasions that he goes to Tampa to hang out with his boys, um, that's when I will get it, maybe. So, yeah, kind of disappointing, but, Lord, like that was, that was, it was wild. My, my um, intestinal my intestines had a wild ride. Stomach and intestines had a wild ride this weekend. And yeah. Um, got ghosted by another PR professional. That's my that's gonna be my life story, my, my autobiography. Ghosted by PR professionals, this Pino and Perfume story. Um, this one I was excited. Not that I haven't been excited for all, all two of them. Um, I it's amazing that they find me because it's still a little podcast. Um, but yeah, they, this one was 
representing the, I don't know, I forget the exact title, but basically the chief perfumer of Atelier Colognes, which I was like, do they know that he would be slumming it coming onto this podcast? I'm not going to tell them. Um, but yeah, and they were talking about how he wants to discuss, you know, what's going on with the brand this year, um, some upcoming releases. And I was like, yes, yes. I don't know what it is to make them ghost me. I don't know if it's just the nature of the beast. I think that might be it. But each time when I have gotten a mailer or an email from a PR company, I've responded back within an hour or so. And I have said, yeah, that sounds great. I always give them kind of a rundown, a background on this podcast and kind of a rundown of like the segments that I do and how the guests could fit into each segment. I don't, you know, I try to think, I try to come off as like collaborative. Like it's not like, hey, this is how it's going to go. But I kind of go, I kind of start brainstorming ideas and thinking they'll come back with like yay or nay or ideas of their own. But each time they haven't gotten back with me. So I don't know if it's, I'm coming on too strong or it's just the nature of the beast. I don't know, but I think I'm going to, next time I get one, I think I'm just going to be responding like, hey, yeah, that's great. Let me know details. I don't know. And see see if I get a response that way. Um, it's weird. It's like dating. You know, it's like, did I say the wrong thing? Did I come on too strong? You know, was it too soon to mention that I wanted 2.5 kids and a picket fence? Um, does he think I'm needy? Um, is it weird that I called him my boyfriend after the first date? I feel like it's like that situation. So I don't know. Again, it could just be the nature of how these things go as well. Hopefully one day somebody will get back to me and I will have a fun guest. This one also offered um, samples and I sent them my address. I don't think I'm gonna get the samples because again, never heard back, but maybe one day, maybe one day I'll get there. Guys, like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and share so we'll get there. Um, no, I mean, you can do that regardless if you if the spirit moves you. But anyway, let's get into Scent of the Week. So this week's Scent of the Week is Musk Ravageur by Frederick Mall. Um, this is, once again, coming from the Discovery set I ordered a couple months ago. Um, the next few weeks, I'm going to kind of be taking a break from the Frederick Malls. I've got, the Discovery set came with six cents, so I've got four left after this episode. Um, I've got another one at the end of May, but then the next couple weeks are going to be reviewing a few different scents. And I'm looking at my calendar, and to be real honest, I'm really not looking forward to wearing any of them except for Carnal Flower. <laughs> Because my first impression, I was either not feeling it or was underwhelmed. So hopefully, hopefully, um, I will be pleasantly surprised with some. But that's, isn't that, I just hate one of the terrible feelings. Because like perfume is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be like pumps you up. But I hate when you're wearing a perfume that you don't really want to wear. Like for me, obviously, it's for review purposes because of this show. But um, some of you guys might have perfumes that you haven't decluttered and you wear it out of obligation, but you don't really want to. And it's just like, that's a bad feeling. You know, you're just like, just got to wear this. Just got to suck it up. But anyway, Musk Ravageur. Now, let me look up the notes in this one, because this is another one of those perfumes I was not pleasantly surprised by. 
not jive in with this perfume. Um, we'll just go ahead, ooh, go ahead and get that out of the way. So the notes, top notes are bergamot, mandarin orange, lavender, and cinnamon. Middle notes are amber, vanilla, musk. Bottom notes are sandalwood, musk, and patchouli. Now my little uh, description that came with my discovery set reads as follows. Savage sex appeal, enhancing the magnetic aspect of musk with amber, vanilla, patchouli, and sandalwood at the total exclusion of floral notes caused a scandal when this perfume first appeared in 2000. But musk revisure is now celebrated in all its sensuousness as the Sistine Chapel of the Amber Oriental tradition, an unapologetically sexy perfume. And as I mentioned last week, the Frederick Mall line is not perfumed by Frederick Mall himself. He hires, he collaborates with well-known perfumers in the industry and kind of gives them free reign to create whatever they want. So this one was created by Maurice Roussel. Hopefully I got that right. Um, yeah, in my first impression, I said that this was spicy and mature and that I could see my 70-year-old widowed aunt wearing this if she wanted to have a How Stella Got Her Groove Back moment. I still stand by that. It is, I mean, it's not for me. I think it is more of a mature, mature smelling. I think women over a certain age, I would say women like maybe 50 plus, it would smell good on them. Um, and that's not a dig at or anything. Like I just, to me, it just smells a little bit more mature. And listen, I'm pushing for you, right? So I just think I'm not quite in that age bracket to where I would wear this. But I can see a woman in like her 50s or 60s, maybe want to wear that. Maybe she's a divorcee. Maybe she's happily married, but you know, she's trying empty nester, trying to spice up the bedroom a little bit with her husband, trying to, you know, got, it's like a, her renaissance. It's her second identity of a woman. Maybe, you know, she's was a wife and a mother. She's still a wife, but like her kids are grown. So she's rediscovering who she is and she's going through like a rebirth of her own. And she wants to be a bad bitch smelling sexy. I could see that. It's just not for me. On me, it's the patchouli, the sandalwood, the musk, the amber, and the vanilla. Really, uh, my skin picks up that. And it just, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't excite me. You know, it doesn't get me hard. Um, now, weirdly enough, this is the second Frederick Mall that I've worn that my husband has gone out of his way to say I smell good. Now, I, I mean, and it doesn't smell bad. And like with my skin chemistry, a lot of like the darker notes, like woody, patchouli, woody notes, patchouli notes, they tend to pick up on me and project and they usually smell pretty good. And this one, I would say this one did go with my skin chemistry really well. It just didn't go with my head chemistry. And by that, I mean, I did not like it. That probably made no, made no sense, but yeah, I didn't like it. Now, while this I think is probably, I think it's mainly marketed towards women. Let me, let's see what Parf Parfumo says. I just closed it out too. Um, let's see. 
So, oh, well, it says it's for women and men. I was going to say, I think this is 100% a unisex scent. Um, the longer that I have worn it, like as it goes on throughout the day, it becomes a more familiar scent. And I swear, I've probably smelled this in public before on somebody. I don't can't pinpoint who, but it got a very familiar scent at like the six plus hour mark. And it got a little bit deeper. Um, and I definitely think I have smelled either a woman or a man or both wearing this at some point in my life um, in public. But all that is to say, I definitely think a man could wear this, especially because there's no floral notes. And I know sometimes like with men and florals, it florals can kind of make a perfume, maybe swing a little bit more feminine. But I think the notes in here, to me, I don't get the mandarin orange or the bergamot. Um, I don't, I don't get the lavender. I don't get the cinnamon, but even the fruity notes, um, I think could, are definitely can go in both, uh, could swing both ways. Um, I know there are plenty of men's clothes out there that are like very citrusy with bergamot and citrus and oranges and stuff. So I definitely think that a guy, again, I see this on an older man. I see this on like a Sean Connery, but like a 2000s Sean Connery. Because poor Sean Connery, I looked him up now and he is, I mean, duh, he's old as shit, but he looks so frail. Like he's, he looks like a little old man in a nursing home. I don't know if he is in a nursing home, but he kind of looks like that. I mean, time catches up to us all, but I would say like, I guess some would argue his prime was when he was James Bond. He was okay. I would say his prime was like, 2000s or like 90s 2000s so like first night Sean Connery um wasn't he in Van Helsing no that was Hugh Jackman but like those types of the one with Sean Connery where he was wasn't he like an arch architect oh but Legends of the Hidden not Legends of the Hidden Temple he wasn't on that show uh the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones where he was like old Indiana Jones's father or whatever or wasn't he in one of the Indiana Jones's movie Temple of Doom or something goes to show you I'm not an Indiana Jones um, connoisseur at all. But that era of Sean Connery, I see him wearing this. And I mean, I think it would smell damn good on him. I don't know what he wears, but I think it would smell damn good on him. Um, but I do see a more mature man wearing this as well. Again, 50 plus. Now, as far as uh, longevity goes, this will last you all day. Um, this is my second Frederick Malm sample that, I mean, the longevity and projection will blow you out of the water. Very, very good. This would get you through a work day and then dinner afterwards. I don't think you need to reapply this. I never felt like I needed to reapply. I could get whiffs of it all day. And um, projection is definitely arm's length, maybe more depending on how much you spray. It's, it's definitely a, a perfume that demands to be smelled. Like it's I don't want to say it's like loud in, a, in, a, in an obnoxious way, but this is definitely something you wear to be noticed. You have to have the confidence to pull this off regardless of your gender. Um, that's that's what I'm like projection longevity are above average on this uh, perfume, which again, <laughs> it was is good if you like it. But for me, I didn't care for it. So I'm like, I've got to smell this shit all day. Uh, pricing, I mean... If you listen to my last episode, Frederick Mall is not cheap. 
So it comes in several sizes. Um, 100 milliliters is going to cost you $290. A 50 milliliter spray is going to cost you $205. And then a 10 milliliter travel spray refill is going to run you $57, which is the cheapest out of um, this lineup. And this is from directly from the website. And you can, they sell at other high-end stores like Nordstrom. Let's see what else came up. Selfridges, Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom. And they're kind of all in that same price range. I mean, they're all, you know, obviously they, they're on the same price range. So you're going to spend a pretty penny unless you get it from a department store and you save up gift cards or whatever, then you can get some money off. But it's not going to be, it's not cheap. So for me, would I purchase this? Hell no. <laughs> and again, and it's not, the perfume is well blended. And if you like that kind of spicy oriental smell, I definitely think this is something to check out. It's not, you know, it, it's not a quote unquote bad perfume. I will never say a perfume is bad because it's just, you know, sin is so subjective. The only time I will say a perfume is bad, the only perfume I will say is unobjectively bad is uh, Rapture by Victoria's Secret. That one is bad. I don't care. That one's terrible. And uh, I haven't, haven't smelled it again. So it's Rapture still in the top spot. Maybe Eternity for Women, for Women by Calvin Klein. I don't know if I just got a bad bottle, but I sampled it at Ulta and it smelled very medicinal, like hospital-like. I don't know if I was going to get my blood drawn or if I was in a cosmetic store. That was just vile. But again, I need to smell it again. Maybe spray it on my skin. I don't know. To, to knock Rapture out of the top spot as being an objectively bad perfume. Um, but that whole tangent is to say it's not... I don't think this is a bad perfume. I definitely think it is quality. You can smell the quality. It's well blended. It's just not for me. Again, a little bit too mature for my taste, a little bit too spicy. Like I'm not huge into spice. It's got, I do own a, I do, I say like changing constants is like a gourm, oriental gourmand because it's got some spice to it. But again, it's not overly spicy. I'm not a huge, I'm not huge in the spice. They've got to be done just right for me to like them. But yeah, not for me. Um, but again, if you like Orientals, you like spicy perfumes and you have not checked this one out, I definitely think it's worth sampling because you might love it, um, you know, to each his own. But I'm going to pass. It's not on my, you know, wish list. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Let me know what you think about this one because it's... Uh, yeah, not for me. All right. Uh, perfume fragrance in the news. I don't even remember the name of my own segment half the time. So I got two good ones. Um, the first is from um, wallpaper.com and it's called Maison, Maison Francis Corchon launches three new perfumes. Um, they are general neutral fragrances inspired by light. And they are an extension of his Aqua Universalis collection, which I've got one in the sample and I have not uh, sampled it yet. So I'm looking forward to smelling that. But I think these are Eau de Colognes and he's wanting to kind of reconnect that tradition. 
He says that in its original form, the eau de cologne was also drinkable. That sounds disgusting. Because, like, I know we have all, we sprayed our perfumes, we have all accidentally sprayed some into our mouths, and it smells delicious, it doesn't taste delicious. So I don't know how the hell an eau de cologne was drinkable. I'm not saying it's not. I mean, he's a perfume genius, but I I can't rectify that in my brain. That sounds so gross. But anyway, um, he says it was, it's kind of like what is good for my body is also good for my mind. It's like an inside outside effect. So he's wanting to reconnect with that. And they all are inspired by, I guess, uh, the light. So um, bergamot is the basis of all three of the scents. You've got aqua universalis, which I thought I had aqua universalis. Maybe I got another one. Um, but it's got bergamot with white musk. And it's supposed to be reminiscent of crisp white linen. You've got aqua vitae. And it was the feeling of, wait, how old is this? Oh, this is three days ago. Okay, because I am swear to God, he's always... I swear all of these perfume names, except for the last one, sound like ones that are already in his collection. I don't know. But Aqua Vitae is, let me go back. Um, it's got bergamot with mandarin, so it's like a warm floral. And then you've got Aqua Celestia, which is bergamot, blackcurrant, mimosa, which includes raspberry and blackberry facets, and jasmine with strawberry, apricot, and peach accents, which um, is blended by a mellow musk. That one, out of all of the ones, that one sounds like it's the most intriguing for me. That one sound, smells a little fruity, a little light, but also kind of musky and dark. Down for it. I love the sample. Um, so yeah, they're gender, gender neutral. Um, Corshone calls them, quote, a modern, long-lasting cologne, showcasing the, the idea of light, color, and sensations, which was already the, in the genesis of the original Eau de Toilette fragrance. Uh, these were launched on May 1st, so they are currently out. They've been out for a whole day. So um, run over to MFK's website, order you some samples, order you some bottles. Let me know what you think. I'm still working through my original four-pack of samples that I got, but once I'm done with those, you best believe I'm going to order some more because I've really enjoyed sampling his fragrances. Um, I found Baccarat Rouge underwhelming, not because it's a bad scent, but just because all the hype it got, I was kind of expecting more. And it's fine, especially for a signature scent, but again, a little bit underwhelming. But I loved Oud Satin Mood, and that's on my fragrance wish list. I will most likely end up buying a clone because I can't see spending 300 bucks, 200 bucks on that perfume, even though I want to, but I just can't right now. But once I use up at least another bottle in my current collection, I will probably most definitely be checking out a clone and buying that. Um, cause now I'm trying to be more mindful of per buying perfumes. Obviously I've been saying that all year, you know, and I'm at my collection is at a spot where I've got the perfect amount of fragrances, I think. And I think from here on out, maybe once in a while I'll splurge and get one, but it'll be mainly like one in, one out type of thing. But yeah, if for those who love MFK, um, just so you know, he launched three new perfumes. So check those out. 
The second one is from RFI, excuse me, RFI.fr. So this is a French side. And it's called Chanel's Signature Fragrance, The Sweet Smell of Success 100 Years On. So 2021, Mar oh, May 5th, 2021, will mark 100 years since Chanel Number no. 5 debuted to the world. And apparently it's been, it's little, it hasn't changed that much from the original reformulation or from the original formulation. I mean, I know it's had to have been reformulated, but apparently the according to this perfume or this article, the scent hasn't really changed that much despite reformulations. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big Chanel number no. five connoisseur. I think the original EDP smells a little bit dated, to be honest, and it smells very mature, old lady-ish, um, not something I would ever wear. However, I do have the Chanel number no. five low, which I find very pretty. It's still kind of powdery, but I find it more of like a clean soapy powder from the iris than an old lady powder, like in the EDP. And if I'm taking a, a shower at night, when I get out of the shower, I will spritz on the Chanel Number no. 5 Low because it just smells like a nice feminine after shower perfume. But apparently, um, she, Coco Chanel, wanted to have a fragrance for women that had her own name on it. She wanted to capture the spirit of a woman and it couldn't be limited to only one scent. And I guess the trend back when this came out was a lot of perfumes were based around one flower. So she wanted it to have be like multifaceted and have more than one main flower accord in there. So she was on, I love this. This is the, I'll just read this direct quote because it's so, it's so like, old timey and delicious. I just, she must've had such a glamorous life. So on holiday in the quote on holiday in the South of France with one of her lovers, the exiled Russian grand Duke, Dmitry Pavlovich Chanel was introduced to Franco Russian chemist Ernst Bow in quote. That just sounds so like out of a, like a romance novel, right? Like she was, she was in holiday with her lover and her lover was in exile and he was a grand duke of russia like that's so sexy anyway she was introduced to this chemist um she tasked him with making this fragrance to scat capture spirit of the woman and he came up to her with like a bunch of combinations and the number five sa sample is the one she went with and that's why it's called chanel number no. five because it was the number five sample and apparently it's also um number five was her lucky number and I mean, it's to this day, it's still one of the best selling perfumes and iconic perfume that almost, I would say a lot of women probably own or they own some variation of it, whether it's a flanker or the original. Um, I would say it's, even if you're not into perfumes, you have most likely heard of Chanel number no. five. Um, apparently, you know, it's, it has a bunch of, it's gotten a bunch of celebrity, um, endorsements like there's been multiple faces of this perfume Marilyn Monroe and Nicole Kidman being two of the more popular ones but apparently it debuted when it debuted um Coco Chanel herself was the perfume's first face which helped which is interesting like she was the first designer and the first woman to have a perfume like with her name on it and 
I don't know if she was the first face, like the first designer to be the face of her own perfume, but it sounds like it was, which is super interesting. So yeah, um, the official launch of Chanel number no. five was in her Rue Cambone boutique in Paris on May 5th, 1921. And it's been going strong ever since. It's one of the best selling perfumes in the world and super, super iconic. So as always, links to these will be in the show notes. Let me know what you think about Chanel number no. five. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you prefer a flanker like myself? I'm curious to see what your personal story has been with this iconic fragrance. All right, this wraps up this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for providing um, suggestions on perfumes you think I would like based on first impressions or what you heard on this podcast. I really, really like it. Um, Last week's first impression was one such um, based off a suggestion. So definitely keep them coming. If I can't buy the bottle, I will definitely try and buy a um, sample unless it's hella cheap like Golden Sand was that's a steal. If you want to connect with me, you can do so online. I'm at Pinot and Perfume on Instagram. You can email the show uh, Pinot and Perfume podcast at gmail.com. If you're on Peloton and you just want to be workout buddies, I'm hashtag Pinot and Perfume on there. If you like Emily in Paris, or at least love to hate Emily in Paris, I have a second podcast. We're in hiatus right now while we're waiting on season two to drop, but it's called Savoie Shade. It is an Emily in Paris recap. I host it with my friend Jenna. We go on mini tangents. So if that sounds like something you would like to um, listen to, you can check that out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much wherever you can listen to Pinot Perfume, you can listen to Savoie Shade. If the spirit moves you and you want to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and maybe leave a five-star rating, um, I would love it. It just helps this um, show to be more visible to other perfume lovers out there. And with that, I'm out of here, guys. Uh, Whatever you do, I hope you are having fun, you are being good, but most importantly, you are smelling good. Bye! Pinot and Perfume is hosted and produced by yours truly, Sarah Chacon. Theme music is Around the Bend by Evan Schaefer.